G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, let's get a focus today on the nation of India. In so many ways, we'll see it reported in the media that India is becoming an economic powerhouse. In contrast, there are still hundreds of millions of Indians who live in poverty, hundreds of millions who've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's get some insights into India today, a visiting Indian, and interestingly, with a an American accent, Jamison Titus, who's president of the ministry called Christ for India, joining us. Hello, Jamison. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, how are you? It's great to be here. Jamison, tell me about your American accent. You haven't spent all of your formative years in India. Uh, you spent a fair bit of time in the U.S. What's your story quickly? Um, I was born in India, in Andhra Pradesh, uh, was raised in Kerala, and then when I was about 10... I had the opportunity to come to USA where my dad, mom, and my brother, and my sister were already there. And so when I got to America, I didn't know any English, so I had to learn English and go to school and uh, went to uni and settled there, went into business, and this is the way I was trained to talk. You eventually made your way back to India, yes. where your father had preceded you in the sense that he was uh, went back to India for mission and began to build a, a larger enterprise, uh, planting churches all around your home state of Andhra Pradesh. Yes. Dad had a vision to go back to India. He went from India to USA to get an education. He earned seven degrees, and afterwards he really settled there, and then he felt convicted to go back to India and to start a seminary, Bible college. And in 1981, he did that. He left America, went back to Andhra Pradesh, started in the state, city of Vishagapatnam, and uh, started the small work. And over the years, God has blessed it. It's become uh, much larger into a church planning movement, a school, a humanitarian medical arm. And so now the ministry is much bigger than uh, Dad started. But he had a great vision back in 81 to start this ministry and to reach the gospel throughout the unreached in India. Jamison, it's tough, isn't it, for someone who moves out of culture in India to a place like the United States, and uh, you have a lot of different Western uh, luxuries, difficult to go back to India. I guess you need to have a call from God to, yes. to know that that's the right place to go. Yes. Uh, there are a lot of luxuries, as Dad would say. My father used to say there's ice cream, a big house, aircon and uh, to give all that up to go back to where there's no, no electricity, no phone, no running water, um, you know, snakes and all sorts of things. Uh, but he felt that that was his uh, vision to go back, and that's what the pioneering start of the ministry was. Since your father passed away, you have taken on this responsibility. The ministry, Christ for India, is on your shoulders. Yes, we have a great team. We have a board of directors. Um, my older brother, Johnson, he helps in the ministry. He does all the hard work. He's on the field day in and day out, 
My mom is 78 now, Mary Titus. She's still doing well by God's grace. And so she's still involved. Uh, and the whole we have a great team of people that are helping run this ministry and to oversee the administration and things. And with them being there allows me to travel back and forth. So, Jamison, you're in Australia and you're meeting with people who've been longtime supporters of your ministry there, Christ for India. I guess the support that comes from outside is very important because there's not a lot of wealth that actually is attracted to Christian ministries in your homeland. That is correct. Most of the Christians are not in the business market or in the marketplace. They're the day laborers. They're the ones that are doing the government jobs and the civil servant type work, and uh, most of them are not as educated. So we're changing that, and it is changing in India. So as India changes and more of the believers become more educated, more entrepreneurs, they're able to receive some of the economic benefits that the Hindus and Muslims are receiving. And you are absolutely passionate, I must say, about reaching your people in Andhra Pradesh. And I, if I say to our listeners, uh, you've got more than 200 churches that are a part of a church network from church planting exercises. You've got a Bible college or multiple Bible colleges. Yes. And you're, you're turning out leaders to go into very difficult places in India. That's right. We're actually spread from, we have works in New Delhi, which is in the north of India, all the way to the bottom part of India and Kerala. So the church work and the church planning ministry is in about 11 states of India at the present time. And we have uh, the main training base is in Andhra Pradesh, but a lot of the works are satellites throughout India. Gone are the days. Uh, you give me your reflection of missionaries or preachers coming from outside India to preach the gospel at stadiums and uh, on street corners and for lots of people giving their lives to Christ, uh, deciding to serve him. Really, it's Indian people now who are being raised up to reach Indian people. Yes. the This is nothing new to our ministry. My dad and mom in 1981 was training the nationals. You know, we already knew the language. We didn't need a passport, didn't need a visa, didn't need to learn the culture, uh, wouldn't get stomach bugs. So mom and dad back in 81 was actually doing what is now coming um, in, you know, in today's term, train the nationals to lead the nationals. Jamison, I want to ask you about things in India as they are at this time when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the spread of the gospel, because there's been governmental changes, uh, there's been a rise in what we know as Hindu nationalism. Has this put real pressure on Christians everywhere throughout India? Yes, it has. It has uh, made uh, sharing the gospel even more harder. The persecution by these small groups of fanatics that are throughout India that are uh, giving a lot of persecution to the church work that's happening. The government recently did away with the, we call the FCR number, which allows Christian brothers and sisters abroad to be able to help the Christians, uh, brothers and sisters within India, to receive some financial help. And there was over 9,000 organizations in India that were revoked this privilege by the government. So you've got the difficulty in sharing the gospel with people. You've got a rise in Hindu nationalism where Hindus are actually evangelizing the Christians or trying to bring about a, a reconversion from yes. Christianity back to Hinduism. You've got all sorts of different challenges on a lot of different levels, even the government working against Christian churches. Yes, that is correct. Now, the if a Christian pastor shares the gospel with the Hindu, and they become believers, 
he can be put in jail because he's converting someone. If a Christian reconverts back to a Hinduism because of a Hindu priest and they do a ritual, nothing happens to the Hindu priest because that's not conversion. Well, that's part of what the culture has grown into. And uh, with the change of government, it's become even more difficult. There's also challenges when it comes to uh, issues with land disputes. And Christians usually come out on the losing end. Yes, it is. We presently have two sites that are going through uh, actual litigation. The Muslims have come, the Hindus have come and taken the property that we've established to put a church on. And so uh, as minorities, we don't have representation. We don't have the clout or the power to uh, fight this type of oppression. Our guest is Jamison Titus. He's the president of a Christian ministry called Christ for India. More than 200 churches in their network. Bible colleges too. We'll continue our conversation. We're getting an update and some insights into Christianity in India. Back with more in just a short while. We're taking a little time to get some insights into what's going on in India. From a Christian perspective, Jamison Titus, our guest, he's the president of Christ for India. Jamison, in India late last year, I think it was around October, there was a dreadful cyclone uh, that wreaked havoc across a number of states in India. You were in the firing line of that cyclone. Yes, it was Cyclone Hudhud, October the 13th and 14th. Cyclone came off the Bay of Bengal and hit Vishagapatnam, our city, in Andhra Pradesh. And it went through, and it caused so much destruction through the city. Many lives were lost, and it also affected our main training base in Vishagapatnam, in our, our village, Bimalipatnam. And so we had a lot of damage to the buildings, roof damage. Uh, we had 14 churches that lost their roofs and parsonages. Um, every building was affected in some way, including the hospital and the farm and all the different areas. And this whole city now is going through a rebuilding process, and the ministry likewise is doing a rebuilding. And it wouldn't be just your church, churches, but uh, so many different denominations, works that were going on uh, in so many localities that would have been greatly affected by that. That is correct. And here in Australia, we say, oh, don't worry, we've got some insurance that'll cover the, the damage. But uh, you've sustained a lot of damage to your own compound and your training base, as you say. Uh, insurance doesn't work that way in India? No. there There is insurance in India, but... In most of the companies, private limited or multinational companies would have insurance in the city, but normal missions or ministries do not have uh, insurance on buildings and things like that. Um, it is a luxury, and even if we did have insurance, people would say it was an act of God that it would not be covered. So we do have insurance on our vehicles, our buses, our ambulance, and our motor vehicles uh, because it's a, the law, then we follow that. But on particular buildings within the campus, it's extra. And so we as a ministry do not have the resources. And therefore, uh, when people ask me, will the insurance company give you a big check? We did not. So when it comes to financial foundations and in your own ministry, but also for churches widespread across India, there's a need, isn't there, for people to keep their hand to the plow, to keep on supporting, to keep on giving because the need is great. And the people who are in India, those Indian nationals, as you say, not always able to meet the financial necessities to be able to keep things going strongly on their own. That is correct. So we need your prayers. We need your support. Uh, We have sisters and brothers around the world that 
that will help and rise up to this rebuilding process to help all the churches that need to be rebuilt and the ministries that are involved in this. So we're talking about challenges. Let's go back to the rising Hindu nationalism and the fact that you've got these 200 churches that have been planted, uh, a Bible college that's raising up graduates. Tell me about the heart of a typical graduate in a Bible college when they're going to be sent out into communities, into villages, to plant churches, uh, and sometimes at risk of their own lives. Yeah, these young men and women have a passion. They have a heart. They want to go back and reach their community or their village. They have a calling to go back and minister the gospel, and these young men and women are just heroes. They're, you don't get to hear about them, uh, but they're out in the trenches doing the work. and. Once they're educated and equipped, they go back out to the fields and they pioneer works. Majority of them are pioneering ministries in different parts of India that hasn't received the gospel yet. And many are also doing further studies. Many are working with other ministries uh, in spreading the gospel and equipping more. We believe in multiplication. Through multiplication, we can reach India. Interesting one change that you have made is that your graduates are not being called pastor. You're calling them field workers. Is that in line with some level of rising persecution, that you're labeling your leaders in a different way? Some of them, yes. The technicality on words and the, the, the way we use them within India, we need to be careful of how we say things, how we promote the ministry within India, uh, just like as you were saying when... Uh, guests come. We don't do the big plaster boards and promoting like, say, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, because we need to be wise. We need to be able to share the gospel in a way that doesn't um, actually cause more attention, unwanted attention to the ministries, and many ministries face the same concern. What sort of response are your field workers receiving when they go out into communities, into villages? Is there an equal openness to what there always has been, or has the rising Hindu nationalism made people cautious about responding to a call to follow Christ? Depending on the area, there are still a lot of people that want to find the truth. They want to believe. They want the, the gospel. But there's also this new... Uh, openness of persecution, where in the past people would persecute the pastors, but they wouldn't come out public and say who did it. Now they're coming out in public and saying, we don't want any Christians in this village. If you're a Christian, you'll be run out of this village, which in the past they didn't do publicly. I guess there are many stories of amazing breakthroughs where you've had your field workers moving into a new village and I'm just speculating that there must be a lot of miraculous things happening uh, for those churches to be established and for lives to connect with Christ and become transformed. Yes, there are many. Uh, Pastor Isaac, um, who's, who started a ministry in, in a very uh, unevangelized area there, out in a very poor area, he, through prayer, through God's healings and ministries, uh, they've planted a church, the church is growing, now they've actually planted another church from that church. And so it's uh, the Gospels uh, with signs and wonders and miracles that are happening that is, is giving a, uh, the whole community little prosperity. Things are changing within their community because of this new life in that community. Is this something you instill in your field workers, the idea of multiplying themselves, starting a church in one village, then another church in another village, 
this level of multiplication can work incredibly well, can't it? If yes. you've got 200 plus churches, uh, 200 can quickly become 400. I guess that's what you're working on and that is that's correct. what's keeping you awake at night. That is correct. And what we do is we give the challenge to the churches that we plant that they must plant daughter churches. That's not an option. So the 200 fellowship that we are in fellowship with is basically the first generation. Now there's thousands of churches within that that we don't have a direct relation with, but they're part of this multiplication process over the last 35 years. Jamison, I guess you'd like to make contact with people who can support uh, in a whole lot of ways. I know that uh, we often talk about prayer support and uh, the connection with churches in Australia to the work that you're doing in India. You also have uh, some child sponsorship. Uh, People are familiar with that. How do you work with your child sponsorship? We actually have uh, partners here that are helping children in India and that they request a child, a boy or girl, and we're able to help them. We don't call them orphans because many of these young children do have parents. And so, but these parents have no resources to take care of them and they're left to fend for themselves on the streets. So these children could be involved in child labor, could be in the sex trafficking and drugs and all sorts of things. So we as a ministry through the churches, through the local church, we bring them into our, our ministry, and we're able to minister to them, give them an education, give them health care, uh, give them three meals a day, and to be able to give him or her a Christian education in English medium so that they are breaking that poverty cycle. They're not multiplying. You know, once that's finished, they'll get married, they will be able to have children. That whole curse of poverty is gone. Well, great getting your insights into Christianity in India, Jamison Titus, and I know that you're here in Australia to make friends, and I'm sure that there'll be some people who might like to connect with you. I'll give a website. It's www.christforindia.org. That's christforindia.org. And, uh, of course, when we talk about prayer, when we talk about child sponsorship, those things are important. Uh, You wanted to say one last thing? I was also going to say that we have a vision of becoming more self-supported. And the new thing in India is that we need to have ministries to be able to raise income streams within India. So we need business people that have the business ideas that would help fund and resource the mission work within India. So that's a challenge that we're seeing for the next few years coming up. Well, there is a challenge there. And for people who are in business in Australia, that may be something that might connect you to a fabulous mission field opportunity. Talking about Christ for India, Jamison Titus, our guest, he's the president of Christ for India. That website once more, www.christforindia.org. Jamison, great talking to you. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you so much for the opportunity. God bless you. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.